Hi, and welcome to When Burnout Becomes Reality, a podcast that combines lived experience with the scientific knowledge of burnout to help listeners prevent, recover, and grow from burnout. My name is Shannon Swales, a human and clinical psychologist with both lived experience and scientific knowledge and skills in burnout. It is my hope that the values of authenticity, compassion, wisdom, and community shine through in each and every episode of the pod. Episodes that share my own and others' lived experiences of burnout and interviews experts, guests to help listeners build awareness and hope to prevent, recover and grow from burnout. The views, opinions, tips and the like expressed by myself or my guests are not a replacement of personalised therapy. Just like I have done for myself and many of my guests, I encourage those of you that are suffering to seek professional help. In episode 25, part two of April's burnout lived experience story, we really start to hear the impact of the cumulative exposure to workplace, known workplace factors for burnout for April. Things such as being exposed to high workloads, low resources, uh, things such as role ambiguity, working with leaders who lack the communication skills to uh, provide a safe, supportive workplace, particularly when things are going not well and having to give feedback. Uh, lots, lots of things. Uh, April's story really allows you the opportunity to gain this knowledge, knowledge that April didn't have, nor did I have, on those workplace factors that affect us. So these are outside of us. We often look inside and what am I doing that is contributing to this stress? But there are system factors as well, that being the workplace. So listen to April's story for this reason. And if you haven't listened to part one, really encourage you to do that. Then listen to part two and also see where April's at now and in how she's crafting a work life that is more aligned to her well-being. So yeah, stay tuned, listen in. So April, we got up to to mat leave uh, and uh, yeah, uh, with your story in terms of uh, your work history and all those elements that that we've come to learn already that has impacted your your health and well-being over that over that time so yeah take us from there with um yeah from Matt Lee yeah sure so I think I mentioned last time my little boy was born about just uh, like at five oh sorry 35 weeks and two days so about five-ish weeks early um yeah quite quick succession after taking just stopping work going on the whole Matt Lee thing and then bang, I feel like he was here. So we, my husband and I, we were pretty much thrown into parenthood very quickly. Didn't have really very much time to obviously mentally and emotionally prepare for the whole arrival of the baby. And it has just been the most amazing, amazing job. I, I don't like to call it a job because it's not necessarily a job. It's just like this whole life change and life experience and just so great. Um, so I was lucky enough to be able to take some time out for maternity leave. Um, it ended up being approximately maybe 13 or 14 months 
motherhood and him growing was just so amazing and I was thinking about you know what in the future I want to be able to work flexibly because I want to be at all of his milestones so of all the jobs that I'd done and all the qualifications I had I thought all right how can I I guess pivot a little bit and make this work for me and make this work for my family so what I decided to do was have a look at working in the early childhood industry what things I already had and what things I would need and it turns out that um I had my Bachelor of Education um, from way back in ancient history, Um, but I just needed to do a little bit of extra study, uh, which ended up being a a diploma level study, like a TAFE level kind of diploma study. Um, And then that means that I would be qualified to be able to work in like say prep classrooms, um, but then also Mm -hmm. in the whole range of um, the early childhood sector. So basically from six weeks old, little baby six weeks Mm -hmm. old, all the way up to providing the the kindergarten program. So in terms Mm -hmm. of my training through that time, usually what happens is you would go in and you would do some prac placements. and you would have um, supervisors that would come out from the provider that you're doing the training with to observe you and give you feedback and that kind of thing. But COVID threw mm-hmm. a spanner in the works with that one. And I did, um, there were either alternative assessment ways um, and mm-hmm. or eventually when I did end up um, working, instead of the trainers coming out to see me in person, um, they did basically like telehealth, I guess, videos and did it that mm-hmm. way. What kind of, oh, yeah. Sorry, April. I was just I was just curious. What kind of impact did that have? You know, positive or negative? Not having that, I suppose that one-on-one, um, you know, feedback mm. in, in that part of the training, because uh, that was something that in the teaching degree you had, because you yeah. talked about that that practicum, and you have that kind of support in your training. I was just wondering for you at the level you know, with that previous training as well, but just what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So going through this time, um, it I didn't really know it. Like it was just the way that this particular diploma was set up, and then also given the times, it was just like we're not coming, we can't come out because certain, um, you know, certain companies in the early childhood industry won't allow anyone that's non-essential basically so this was just the way that I just that that it was that it happened so it didn't really affect me at the time however um, Mm -hmm. that at this time as well when I started to basically how my first job came around was I was actually looking for a place to put my son for daycare Mm -hmm. um, because I was like all right well we're going I'm going back to work he'll need to be in daycare my husband works full-time so this is just what happened and then Mm -hmm. all of my jobs I've worked like fast forward to now I've worked four different roles in three different companies um, Mm -hmm. but they all kind of happened organically and kind of by accident Mm -hmm. so this first one I really didn't Mm -hmm. present as confident (laughs) I really didn't Mm -hmm. Um, I said to them yes I've got my bachelor but in terms of my diploma training to get this early childhood sector Mm -hmm. qualified I'm just short of halfway I haven't done any pracs I've never really Mm -hmm. stepped in I've just done a 15 minute tour around a center that's it um, mm-hmm. But they were still happy to proceed, proceed forward. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm will be returning from maternity leave, and I only am really looking at a part-time role. So mm-hmm. whether that's maybe three or four days, I'd also love to be able to use my skills that I have. So you know, I don't want to be working as an assistant. I want to be you know in charge of my own. I know I might have to job share, um, but I want to be able to 
use my skills that I have. Generally, the response from the recruiters and the people at that time were, there's absolutely no way that you can get a ECT job, which is early childhood teacher. You won't be able to get a role that's less than full-time. Like, absolutely no way. Won't happen. Um, And I was just like, well... I don't know why, because it's a service industry, it's early childhood, it's female dominated and that, you know, people get into this role and this, these type of roles and jobs because they love children. So how can you not have it set up to be family friendly? Yeah, the optimal phrase there, family friendly. Mm. And what you just said too really struck a chord with me as well. Most people attracted to this position are female. Mm-hmm. And female, most likely, you know, primary care is often at the home in terms of parenting their, ch- their young children. And this is a service industry. You, like you also, like they open from what? 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. or yeah. thereabouts. So yeah. Isn't there some, yeah, why isn't this system? Yeah. Yeah, I get you. I keep going. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, hang on, what? Anyway. <laughs> so this was what you were faced with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I guess... Not, or I guess you could kind of call them barriers, but there's just, you know, even from the beginning, there's just certain things that you've kind of got to, you know, well, barriers, I guess. Um, and yeah. you just, you know, anyway, at that point, um, I managed to get the role there at that center. Um, and yeah. it was four days a week. Um, so I had my Mondays off and I'm pretty sure I had my little boy with me on that day on the, on Mondays as well. Yeah. But then I worked Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, Mm. and that, um, that was looking back now that for me, that is just, that's crazy. That's really quite a large amount of time. And with those, um, yeah. And you know, a mum mm. as well, like outside that job's 24 seven and then working, yeah, Tuesday to Friday, which is a point eight, you know, yeah, point eight, yep. so yeah, yeah. Um, so close to full time anyway, mm. and imagine as we know, hours on those days are never. I'd imagine, you know, there was a bit of work oh, outside definitely. of that way. Yeah. yeah. So you're probably working full time in terms of that classic 38 hour week, 40 hour week, yeah. four days. And and more than anything, what I'm just hearing April too, because you shared with us already that you wanted to pivot and your your priorities had changed with becoming a mum, that you wanted to prioritize being able to be there for your child and those developmental milestones, being able to be part of that and see that this role mm-hmm. and working within that system that had told you, yeah, we don't do, you know, um, part-time as well with DCT. It just, I don't know. Yeah. That value mismatch, you know, I'm just thinking, well, what kind of impact did that have on, on, yeah, on you in terms of how you wanted to be in your life? Yeah. At that time? Well, yeah. as time went on, uh, yeah, like mm-hmm. I said, I don't know how I managed it because I was still breastfeeding at the time. As those weeks went on, I realized that it was definitely a square peg in a round hole situation. Um, if for a lot of, yeah, square peg in a round hole. The, yes, they make it sound great. So yeah. in this particular role, and this is kind of where, you know, I'm pivoting now to talking about the psychosocial hazards in all of these mm-hmm. roles. Um in this role, so rolling along pretty well, working as an ECT, but there was a lot of time, there were a lot of times where um, I just felt like I was getting in trouble for things that I didn't really know about. 
So, um, you know, different ways of writing observations. Oh, no, we don't do it this way. You've got to do it that way. And I had been very honest from the beginning, like I said, didn't really mm. present as very confident, but also at this point, I'm in my, you know, mid thirties or something. So brave enough to speak up and say, look, mm. um, you know, like I said, right from the beginning, I've never actually, yes, I'm qualified. Yes, I've worked in teaching, like primary school teaching mm. roles in schools, mm. but I have never set foot into this environment here. So I really don't mm. know what's going on and you guys need to, you know, guide and support me. I mean, good on you for that assertive communication. And as it sounds like, yeah, you had gained that across your life experience. Yes, so you had yeah. that there, but great. I mean, because assertive communication can so support us in those moments um, and it's something we can develop. Yeah, and, and you did and well done for standing up for yourself. But, yeah, what I hear through that is, and, and we know it's so crucial uh, well, in the burnout literature and the evidence there, it is crucial to have an onboarding process mm. that provides the training essential for that person you're employing, you know, and you were very direct and, and which is great about your level of expertise. You weren't, you know, sugarcoating it. You were being, you know, um, very much this is where I'm at. They chose to employ you and based on that. And but here you were, instead of coming at you from a training perspective yeah. and offering training and support, they were coming at you doing it wrong. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you were coming up against that whilst, yeah. yeah. And it's um, ironic, I guess, that you just bring up the whole onboarding thing, the onboarding. Yes, there was a severe lack slash non-existent onboarding process <laughs> at this particular yeah. place. In the early childhood industry, they have these things called A&R, so assessment and review. And generally, mm -hmm. there's a big authority, Australia-wide or national, and they will come out and they basically do an inspection of all the things. So, And generally speaking, most of the places that I have worked, and they're not all like this, it's just uh, me, lucky, unlucky, however you want to look at it, um, they've mm -hmm. kind of gone into a bit of a panic mode oh my gosh, we have a lot of things that we need to fix up and a lot of tidying up things and a lot of fixing of furniture that's been sitting in the back cupboard, that kind of stuff. And mm. up until that point, I didn't really know much about, obviously, I've, you know, just fresh into the job. This is like maybe mm. third or fourth week that I was there that I found out that our yeah. centre was about to go under, under review. <laughs> um, yeah. um, so everybody who had been there for a while knew what this process was and they just flew into we need to be in perfect performance mode and we have got so much stuff that we need to fix up. So mm. for me, what that meant was, A, I didn't really know what what, what was going to come the next day, but B, mm. if they didn't have any time to help me with all of my, can you show me how to do this? Can you show me how to do that? Well, they definitely did not have any time to do it now. Okay, okay yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. this will sound very bizarre. And for me, it sounded so bizarre um, mm -hmm. at the time. One day somebody came to me and said, April, where are your fridge temperature records? And I was mm -hmm. just like, what? I've never even heard of that. What is mm -hmm. even that thing? And I think maybe mm -hmm. if times were different and we didn't have COVID and I had some pracs, maybe I would have mm -hmm. learned about this concept of recording your fridge temperature every yeah. like two times a day. But at the time, and just coming at me and saying, where is this thing that you have no idea about? I was just like, mm. oh, my God, what is going to be next? This is, I just, yeah. wow. Yes. Well, mm. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. Well, what did I do? Describe that. 
no, no, just some, like your mental health, you know, like just at that time, what were you noticing was happening for you? Yeah, you yeah, I was just yeah. getting to the point of what's going to be next? Like what else do I not know about that I'm kind of going to feel guilty and in trouble or whatever about? Yeah, um, so feeling guilt, like yeah. feeling anxious? Yeah, so definitely like the about- anxiety, yeah. Mm-hmm definitely the anxiety even I think maybe at this point even the thing like my physical body would be actually like vibrating at this point because we're now what five or six weeks into this new role and starting a new role is hard anyway um, because you're trying to impress and you want to do a good job and all of those things Um, I don't know if it was on that Mm. same day or maybe the next day but miraculously um, the fridge temperature records appeared backdated all written uh-huh. in the same pen with no yeah. you know cha- no change of cut pen color or you know different people writing it it just miraculously appeared because the audit mm-hmm. the audit's coming up right yeah, yeah. and at that point uh, a few things were happening in my mind I thought you know what fridge records really in the grand scheme of things no one's dying and no one is missing a plane but if we're fudging fridge records what else might be going on here what other things might be being fudged that are a little bit more important in terms of record Mm -hmm. keeping um yeah in in other sections of my center yeah so how yeah i can surmise just from Mm. looking i can see your face that that wasn't okay with no didn't sit well no i didn't sit well for you in terms of how you practice and your values so it's you started to question yeah that aspect of the system yes you know the the organization that you're working for yeah and and that potentially being a a big mismatch you know how they choose to practice and how you want to practice yeah um so i guess maybe two more things to do with that workplace we had our area leader our area manager that came out um and obviously you know to help to make sure that everything was kind of looking good and you know back-end things were being done and she gathered all of the staff together and basically was saying you know when the assessors come out you need to make sure that you tell them especially you new perp- you new people newbies that you've had such a fantastic onboarding experience and you know everything about the place and you know where all of the different resources are and this was the time in my life and also in all of the work places that I've been at where I really honed in and learnt about what what a moral compass is mm. um, and learnt about where my moral compass is and what direction mm-hmm. it points in and yeah there were lots of things that were going on that were just completely disagreeing with my moral compass yeah. I just did not feel comfortable going there I felt yeah. like there's this concept called otherness where it's kind mm-hmm. of like you're pretending because you want to fit in and not mm-hmm. you know not um you know rustle any feathers and just you know be a good person and behave but I was like I can't pretend this is not it's not right yeah Yeah. so you couldn't step into that otherness no you you were like that just felt so wrong but every day turning up yeah kind of forced to because these well you know yeah either stay here and be okay with this shit Mm. (laughs) or or leave because, yeah, like, or, or I suppose rustle some feathers and say this is not okay, yeah. And I grappled with that for a long time, well, mm-hmm. from whatever that was until the next two weeks, until the assessors came out. On the actual mm-hmm. day when the people, when the actual assessors turned up, mm-hmm. um, there were, you know, staff ratio, or staff to child ratios. We had like, I don't know, 
one staff member for every four or five kids, whereas every other day we were like one to 11. It was oh just, it was terrible. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, it just really makes me sick in my gut. Mm-hmm. And like you said, for you, your your mental well-being, this is where like that moral compass, that was totally not a lot, well, definitely not pointing north or whatever with this role. You were having to live in that mm. and, and what that was playing on in terms of your emotional mental well-being. It was, yeah, like you said, making you anxious. It was on your mind. Meanwhile, you've got a home life with your kids, <laughs> your kids, yep. you know, your husband, you know, like, and um yeah just what state you must have been in by that time well on the I can't remember what day it was too long ago now but basically maybe on the second day of the um of the people being there um you know they weren't stressful they were great but I just had all of this other emotional and moral and whatever everything going on in my mind that on that day I was just so anxious needed to go to the bathroom several times I just got to the point where I've run out of energy because my body is so anxious and I requested to go home knowing that we're a flush with staff and it wasn't going to be a huge impact with ratios and all of that kind of stuff um yep and they I said look I I just I feel really anxious I need to go home I've now assessed my body and you know to a point now where I can't be in the space and be you know in the supervisory role that I'm meant to be in and be safe at it um, and the response initially was, no, you can't go because we're in an A&R. And I said, look, it's beyond that now. <laughs> I need mm-hmm. to get myself out of this situation. Otherwise, I don't really know what's going to happen and it's not going to be good for anyone. Yeah. So basically, yeah. I'm telling you I'm going home and I am taking sick leave for the rest of the day. Yeah. And it wasn't soon. Oh, after, I? Yeah. It wasn't too soon after that where I was like, I can't, I can't turn up and fake this anymore this is not the right setting for me I am going to resign yeah so role number two um at that point I decided you know what I want to take a little bit of a step back from the ECT because it is you know quite a big challenging role and I haven't a I've just done it for like and just made my own way really um for that you know three months um but I wouldn't mind taking a step back and just watching another ECT do what it is that they do just so I can kind of learn the ropes. Um, and this might be actually a really good time to, I sometimes in my, when I reflect on my career, I some, sometimes I look at my friends who are the same age and, you know, they're earning a lot more money than what I'm earning at the moment. Um, and, you know, they've progressed to lots of different, you know, different like high level roles. Um, and, you know, they're driving better cars than us, whatever. But I've quickly, not quickly, but I've learned to get over that because now I look at my career, it's been like snakes and ladders and it's been self-initiated mostly. In terms of snakes and ladders, instead of climbing the corporate ladder or climbing the ladder, I've realized during times that, you know what, I've climbed a ladder to a point and now I want to just slide back down a snake because mm-hmm. I need to take a step back and look at somebody else who's, you know, you know, I need to have some me- mentors or I need to have some people that I want to watch and see mm-hmm. how they do things the same or differently, learn mm-hmm. what to do and what not to do so that when I'm ready to climb back up that little, the little ladder, um, after the snake, um, I've got some different skills that I can try out. So I'm really actually quite proud of that's the way that I've crafted my career. And sometimes it's been by choice and sometimes not. Yeah. Um, sometimes by the workplace, that's not a good fit. Yeah. yeah. I, what a beautiful vis- visualization mm-hmm. to, 
share to the audience too because yeah we do compare and you know see you know or observe our friends and and what often appears or is like sort of a a, a straightish ladder or seems to be that they you know get up one ladder and then get up another ladder you know and there's no snakes for them and the reality is there's plenty of people out there where it is snakes and ladders I like that yeah including myself as well yeah but we we're led to believe that the successful one is the continuous ladder, right? Yeah, you know, that's that right. Yeah. If if you don't have the ladder, then there's something going on that's wrong with you. Yeah. We're here to say no, that's not. That's right. <laughs> um, it's actually quite. And look, if it works for you, it works for you. Like to yeah, like you said, sometimes it's that conscious choice to pause and go down a ladder, uh, a snake. Sometimes you you know, it is the snake that appears from nowhere, like the game you're like sliding down um that can be your health it can be whatever um the job itself the system that you're working in um that causes it so yeah finished up that ECT role after three months and that was you know end of November early December um I then started my new role in like first of February the next year so I had a good two months off Diplomatically, there's probably also another word very strategically mentioned about how I had I have experience in this industry now, um, but it was quite challenging and it gave the reasons why it was challenging with you know very limited guidance and those kind of things. So mm. you know they the director knew kind of where I was coming from, I guess, before we started, um, because you know I, one of my beliefs now something that's come up this year is you know don't beat around the bush. Let's not fake it. You know if you're faking something and you get into it and you're like oh you know you find yourself in more trouble than what it was mm. worth even you know pretending so you know yeah <laughs> let's just be so honest yeah being honest authentic yes. you know yeah even when it, it you know yeah sometimes it's really hard to to admit the challenges that you've had or the difficulties that you face but you yeah you were really coming from that place by then that it's better to do that rather than fake that you're confident mm. and, or, or you know totally 100% confident with everything it's like or that your past history hasn't been challenging in terms of workplaces you've dealt with mm. and the system issues there yeah just being um upfront about that yeah yeah that's really cool. So, yeah, I started a, a employment there. And in terms of role, it was obviously a pay cut because I wasn't an ECT university oh, yeah. bachelor qualified role, despite sometimes you can, you know, different industries, even though you've, you're doing a, I guess, lesser role, you're still uh, remunerated for your level of, oh, um, yes. for your level of education. In the early childhood sector, it doesn't work like that. Um, but it was a little bit more on my terms. So three days a week. So we're now down to 0.6 mm-hmm. instead of 0.8. And basically my role was to be an assistant. Do remember at some kind of, at one of our staff meetings, putting, because I, you know, I like to talk and, you know, be a little bit more of an advocate mm-hmm. for all sorts of things. Yeah. But I do remember. Yeah, you'll speak up. Yeah, mm-hmm. speak up about things. Um, and I do remember putting up my hand at some point in time when we were doing an experience in the staff meeting to say, you know what, I actually feel really quite psychologically safe here at, in this environment um, and, you know, this mm-hmm. this particular centre. So, you know, for me to say that, that's pretty, you're doing pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> and lots yeah. of these people didn't really, you know, they haven't known about any of my mm-hmm. other work history or anything like that, just a random off the street really. Um, but, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I was feeling quite good early on in this role. 
Was there anything particular that you could name that helped you feel safe in in that system, in that um, organization? Um, um, yeah, some of those social psych- psychological factors that might have um, yeah made you feel safe. There was definitely a much better system for the onboarding. In that mm-hmm. first week, they dedicated a lot of. Um, they didn't put you out on the floor as such. It was come and sit in the mm-hmm. office or in the staff room or whatever. But we've got to read through these, check mm-hmm. them off um, to make sure that you understand them. If you have any questions, come and you know ask us about it, and we can show you. Um, so I liked this role too because it was swapping. It. I like. I've realised I like change. Hence my you know snakes and ladders. I just like having yeah. variety over yeah. you know different industries, whatever. I like variety yeah. and change. So it was good to get it um, around and have little babies for an hour, and then you know mm. you move into oh, yeah. the kindergarten. If you aged four to five years, and then you'd be skipping back to the little toddlers that are two yeah. to three, and yeah, just the variety was really good. So you had that too, and you knowing yourself and knowing that, well, learning that about yourself and 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 coming to know that, that was also helping you feel safe too. Because sometimes it's that value alignment, mm. you know, um, our own values and the job matching that, um, and that can just help us feel safe and supportive. Not just you know the workplace factors, our own, um, and also you mentioned it was three days a week as well. Like I'm being able to, I'm coming back to that value of wanting to be there for your son and, and uh, have that more hands-on role um, there. I was just wondering, was that work a lot more aligned with being able to or feel yeah. like you're finding that balance a bit more? Yeah, definitely. So what that meant for me was, okay, three days a week working, earning the money to pay the bills. Um, mm-hmm. One day where it was mummy and son adventures and we'd mm-hmm. you know go off to the library and do rhyme time and all of that kind of stuff. And then yeah. the other day he was getting the love from all of his extended family, which everybody mm-hmm. enjoyed, grandparents as well as him, as well as me, as well as my husband, like everyone, it was great. Yeah. Um, but that also meant that I had time for me. Um, and, you know, I would schedule important appointments on those days or just have a me day, that kind of thing. So I felt like at that point I just had the right balance and equilibrium in terms of all of these different job roles that I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all those hats, all those hats. That's right. Yeah, thank you for sharing a bit more about that because you were saying there was a point within this second position that things started to yeah uh, well, yeah I felt like I might have steered you away yeah. from that and so I was just thinking about it. no that's fine I think I finished up with you know all the positive things but yes yeah. I was about to delve into that to be honest even looking back now in hindsight and you know knowing what I know now about you know psychosocial hazards and all of this don't really know what it was but I think it might have been just a general spiral of out of control um, but also, um, there's this analogy about a boiling yeah. frog. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I know that, um, you, feel free to explain yeah. it. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. So imagine it sounds a little bit morbid, but basically if you had a frog, green tree frog or something, and you either had it in a, um, like a, a, a saucepan of water or maybe in a kettle is <laughs> yes, yeah, sounding bad, but, um, you, are basically you're heating up that water, but it's going slowly. It's only going, you know, one degree a minute, one degree a minute. At some point it's either going to get to the point where it's super, super, uh, hot. The frog hasn't realized. And all of a sudden you've got a dead frog. <laughs> um, or it will get to the point where the frog realizes, hold on, it's really hot. I can't stay in here, and it'll yeah. just explode. At, like, yeah, it'll like jump it's out like a, basically and what get away. To but be an impulsive decision, yeah, explosion. explosion. But yeah, in fact, it'd been 
yeah, slowly boiling. And I think that's the perfect analogy in a lot of ways for how burnout, well, we know burnout Mm. is a slow progressive, but the factors that are contributing to that explosion of that full-on burnout where we, Mm. you know, something catastrophic happens, whether our body shuts down and we no longer can work or we, you know, we up and quit um, or or whatever else happens, you know, relationship breakdowns, heart attacks, that's been linked with not causal but contributing factor of um, uh, burnout. Um, an impact yeah Yeah. so you know that explosion can look like many things but yeah so this is what happened there like yeah yeah yep so I would say probably the first part where the frog just ends up dying it doesn't actually explode but it was I would say mainly to do Mm -hmm. with um, with management Mm -hmm. and leadership so in this particular center um, my director was Mm -hmm. first time director yeah it's it's Mm -hmm. hard because you all of a sudden you've got people you know you may not necessarily could be really great people person and you know on a work with your colleagues of like equal job role that kind of thing but all of a sudden you've now got brand new people coming to you with all of these different issues some of them might when you're the director seem so obvious to what the solution is to their problem and sometimes not um and i think in this particular case this this particular um, director was just uh, like things were pretty tough with managing, just just managing really. The job's like, you know, you're meant to do, you're only allocated 40 hours a week, but really it's about 60 hours worth of work kind of idea. So the workload issues. Yeah. So they were getting, you know, quite highly stressed and um, just the, the tone of voice that they were using towards staff was not not the best um there was one particular time um where it was like psychosocial hazard i found myself at about two o'clock or three o'clock or something in the afternoon in a one-on-one meeting with them um where it was quite abrupt like it just i had no idea about this nothing at all until i was sitting in there basically earlier in the day there had been um, the one of the rooms that I was working in. Between that room and the room next door, maybe eight to ten staff around mm. in that at that time, and we it was maybe eleven o'clock or the time of the day where we're shooing kids inside to be able to eat their lunch, um, wash their hands, do nappy changes if you needed to, and then the kids were lying down to go to sleep like nap time. Mm. Um, anyone who's been into any parents or any observers or anyone who's been into a childcare centre at that morning, like these places are chaotic as it is, but this is chaos on steroids. So I'm sitting there three o'clock in the afternoon. What can you tell me about this? And I said, oh, that must be our outdoor area. I did not go out into that outdoor area at all. There were other staff members out there. We got all of the kids inside and then we were doing our, you know, routine. Okay, April, just so that you're aware, everything that you do or say will be written down. It's in a record of conversation. Um, so, you know, anything that you say, we can use this against you later on. I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, this is this is mm. full on and I actually have no idea. Hmm. So, I had no idea that this was a formal yes. kind of process that's starting to sound quite formal. It's very formal um, and very serious. Yeah. And, you know, if I had known about this meeting beforehand, at least I could have had, you know, five minutes just to think about what was going on. But no, this was a yeah. big surprise to me. 
but in the time I just felt totally blindsided like somebody had king hit me on the side of the head without me even realizing mm. and I'm in mm. this serious serious trouble I like I get I was you know a bit distraught about the whole okay if we had it was rare but if we had an emergency I get that I was just became completely distraught like crying mm. um, I was also mm. really angry I used um, quite a forceful tone back and I said, I am not taking responsibility for this particular mess on this particular day. It was more important to us right at that point to look after the children that were inside. So, And so you stood up in this, you know, that anger drove you to share that, to, to express that mm. and well done you, whilst also feeling quite, yeah, like also upset as well. It wasn't just anger there. There was also that, you know, distraught you mentioned, mm. you know, with being, I suppose, yeah, attacked or being. It did you know, feel like an attack. Yes, it did. Yeah, because it's like, okay, these discussions need to happen and there's yeah. safety procedures and it sounds like you you get that too. But it's how we do that mm-hmm. as leaders. It's how we approach that. And also, like, it sounds like they, uh, I don't know, but, like, you know, that there's more like let's find an individual. Who are the individuals at fault here rather than sometimes it's a systemic and individual issue or possibly one or the other. But, like, because you mentioned in your feedback to her um, that staff ratios, you know, yeah. like if you have more people, maybe someone's cleaning up that fire hazard yeah. whilst the other ones are looking after the safety and the other hazards in the actual room, which you guys prioritized at the time. Yeah. Um, when you are under-resourced, if, if you don't have the resources to be two places at once, yeah, that's <laughs> or right. have enough people to do like, and that becomes a, a system issue. And it's like, well, I just I feel like I'm just so devalued here and not trusted Mm -hmm. for something that I'm qualified for and I've been doing for you know enough time Mm -hmm. now like we didn't do it on purpose so this was so was this a big yeah what happened there in that um I think this this particular part yeah definitely another seed plant where I'm like "Mm, okay I do remember a few months ago saying I feel really psychologically Mm -hmm. safe no this is definitely turning and hindsight again but also I'd done in the last section in chapter one of my story I said that Mm -hmm. I did that postgraduate study so um in business it was human resource management we looked at leadership yeah. and um, all different mm-hmm. top models of leadership and management and onboarding, like name nice. all the stuff I'm talking about. We, I learned it all um, and I was so good at it. So I felt yeah. like just generally compared to my colleagues, um, I just had this other other part that I could tap into, this other knowledge. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I could kind of take a step back and kind of view from a bird's eye point of view about what was going on. And my analysis of the situation is with this director, um, they had they'd taken on a job, which is great. Like you have to step up, but it was just too big for them to manage. They did not have the the type of skills in terms of, you know, vocabulary and connecting to people in a management and leadership manner. And they were grasping at straws. So they knew, I think that they knew like doing this whole, let's bring in all the um, staff members one-on-one and have this conversation. That's, you know, written in the policy somewhere. And if they didn't do it, Mm -hmm. then, you know, sometime if there was a situation there where we did have an emergency and someone did trip over and she didn't follow it up, then yeah, her back was going to be on the line. I get it. But just the way that she went about it, it's just so desperate to do a good job. So that's not her fault, but the fault of, like you were saying, it's the fault of the system. It's the fault of, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the overall, I guess, company or whatever. 
they just weren't providing the right type of skills that they needed in a timely fashion for them to be able to use them properly if that makes sense so yeah huge sense yeah because I think this is what like out of our discussion you know is really and the more and more I talk about emotional and mental health and the well-being is that it just really pulls out that because often as a health professional you know I've been taught to focus on the individual and the individual factors but there's so much more going on and particularly in well any mental health condition but when we're talking about that chronic work stress and burnout is that there's the organization itself that you're working for there's going to most likely be workplace factors there that aren't you're doing like leadership and then beyond that it can be the company itself Mm -hmm. and the industry itself and even our culture yeah what we grow up in as well and that basically we need to look at these system factors that it's not and and I, I do talk to a number of individuals where they're blaming themselves like well it's my fault I'm burnt out and it's like no maybe not I know it's like and even if there are factors like for me you know like my perfectionism you know certainly well it's not my fault that I found myself with the behaviors of perfectionism there were things that I learned growing up um but those are things that I'm now responsible for and changing and can change. But like things like, you know, the industry I work in and the expectations of, of how much you take on, that's not my fault. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, I can choose to work for myself and do it differently, but um, I have that opportunity. Um, but yeah, but when we work, yeah, just systems are so important. I just want to stress that point to the listeners. Yes. Yeah. That, you know, and you're talking so eloquently to your experiences of these system factors and, and they're really important to, to tune in on and reflect on in your, yeah, the, the audience, you know, your experiences. Yeah. 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 So, it's... so yeah, quite clearly coming out in this role, like with mm. the leadership and your knowledge, you had that, yeah, through your post, um, you know, that um, postgraduate training yeah. in HR, yeah. you had that knowledge base as well of what to expect or what is good practice there. And this wasn't measuring up yeah. um, and having a detrimental impact on your well-being. Yeah. Kind of like the yeah. snakes and ladders thing. I kind of look at some of the study that I've done and in some ways it's been the best thing I've ever done because it's been so you know enlightening and impassionate. And then sometimes I'm like, this is the worst because now I've got this ideology and I know that mm-hmm. all, not all, there should be a lot more workplaces that should be doing these proactive and forward thinking and whatnot but really they're stuck in the 1980s and it's oh man yeah I'm just having to stress out so probably two more I guess psychosocializers I wanted to point out that probably made me decide yep not moving on again um there was one day it might have been a one-on-one and these have a one-on-one as in you know monthly Mm -hmm. feedback that kind of stuff um so I knew that this was this one was coming and there was a form to fill in is there anything you want to discuss beforehand so this this meeting wasn't a surprise um however in that in that meeting same thing again I think you know the director had the best intentions it's just I guess hard to hear when you're the employee and you've got other factors that are impacting. Um, but there were two things that came out in that meeting, which was I'm an unreliable um, employee. And what they meant by that was um, that I had a, quite a lot of sick days. So mm. not that I said it at the time, but I reflected on, all right, well, part, half of these sick days are because I've got a, how old is he now? Like 15, 16 month old 
baby um, and you know he's picking up germs when I bring him to this environment because that's just what what happens um, and yeah. you know my husband is the five day a week earning more money per hour so you know we can't he needs to work and so me on the dollars per hour pennies per hour that's that's just what's going to happen I have to take time out to look after him yeah. Um, but also at the same time, I realized and I've heard quite a lot of, you know, there's a lot of research around it. There's a lot of anecdotal evidence, uh, empirical evidence, like name it. Um, like sometimes I would end up with a really, really sore neck or my body would just be like, oh, I'm just going to hurt your back and you're going to have to go to the physio. Um, so, you know. You can't be lifting children and changing their nappies and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff when you've got an injury. Just felt, yeah, maybe penalised. I wasn't missing out on any opportunities or anything from it, but the penalisation aspect for me was I don't feel like I, okay, so I now I feel like I'm unreliable in this workplace. And if there is anything that comes up that might be exciting, oh, you get to go and do a, you know, a, a site visit of somewhere else, um, I'm not going to get chosen because I'm unreliable. Like they're going to choose the reliable people before they choose me. It's was that kind of maybe discrimination, I guess. Um, but well, just, judgment. Yeah. It's, it's putting a label on that. Like when you explained it, it is what it is, you know, that situation. That doesn't make you an unreliable person. Like that's a label, like I am unreliable, mm. like or you are unreliable. No, in these circumstances with where you're at in life, you're needing to take sick days, you know, carer's day, and more so than a person who's not a mother mm. and the primary primary person who needs to be home to look after that child when they're not well. That is actually what I'd imagine your level of sick you know, I'm assuming here would be normal. Um, yes, it is a normal situation. Yeah, normal thing. That doesn't at that, that point doesn't in life. equal that doesn't equal unreliable. And the word or how I define judgment, I suppose, in psychology, judgment is when we put a label on something and we globally kind of okay, you are an unreliable person. It's just in this situation, in this context, okay, you're not here as often as as we may as a business need, and that's fair. Like on a business side of things, okay, that doesn't to put an unreliable thing on it but that's where that emotional intelligence sort of side of things where you know leaders don't often have that wisdom or that understanding yet about putting names like that on things mm. it's like it's not necessary talk about the behavior not you know that doesn't mean you're unreliable it's just yeah anyway my psych hat on there yeah that's right that's not okay <laughs> yeah um and that's what i meant by penalizing the judgment is the penalization yeah that's not okay. Yeah. Um, in, and that, that will hurt, yeah. In the same conversation, in the same one-on-one, -on -one, um, it was suggested, you know, maybe you should go to your GP, go to your doctor and, you know, just basically get yourself sorted out so that you can be at work more um, so that you don't have to take so many sick days, which, okay, great, if you're thinking that in your head. But that's also, you know, there's a lot of things that people have going on in their lives that they don't share in a workplace, but also don't share with close, um, you know, friends or even maybe even their extended family. So mm -hmm. for me at that time, um, you know, obviously first time mum and he's 15 months old, but you know, things are happening every day. So you've got that, you know, stress when they get sick, that's mm -hmm. the worst thing ever because you've got this, you know, person that you just love and they're so tiny and they just need you but also I had my own health issues going on I was dealing with um just trying to get some clarity around um I've actually got a blood clotting disorder 
Um, so managing that was really quite difficult. Mm-hmm. Dealing with all of the usual stuff that a yeah, usual person, yeah. but then I've also got this constantly in the back of my mind whenever I'm awake about yeah. make sure that my physical body is in a mm-hmm. position that is not going to cause me further health health issues. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was dealing with that at the time and to have someone who doesn't know about that and it's not their fault, whatever, but just say, you should be going to your GP to get your health sorted. No, no. Mm. Okay. Is that another kind of like you mentioned the word devalued before and I don't think it's necessarily the right word here, but like was that another, yeah, like just made you feel. Yeah, just like, like you know, the, they're not, where's the, mm. so they're, you know, managing people, leadership management, it's a HR, it's human resources. Mm. Where's the human aspect in this? Because it doesn't see it feel like there's really any yeah care and compassion. This was definitely again you know take a step back, have a look at it from a bird's eye point of view. Mm-hmm. This person is desperately trying to do the best job that they can, mm-hmm. and you know the policies and procedures and black and white rules say that I have to talk to this per- to April about this, but just and I have to mention yeah, yeah I have health professional yeah yep, to cover their yeah. ass later on. But um if yeah there's just the, the, no, human. The no human way of communicating that thank you sharing oh. yeah so that yeah <laughs> so it was really starting to yeah kind of tick those boxes like in terms of the psychosocial and, and you know risks there in terms of the leadership in that position yeah is that um yeah what eventually drove you to leave that that place or um so know? i handed i you know decided all right well i'm done um two weeks notice here's my letter of resignation in fact i think i emailed it um but then i went to my colleagues the next day and i was like hey so no one knows yet but just so that you're aware i've put in my resignation my last day is going to be on such and such a date they said oh did you get the same um did you get the same response as what i got because i took mine in person yesterday and handed the letter in um and the immediate response back to me was don't you understand that I'm trying to run a business here? And I was like, are you for real? That was your, that was the response. I was the eighth person to leave within a space of three months. Like I was the eighth person and then there were a few that were after me as well. So that kind of gives you an indication of, okay, well, it was kind of, it was validating for me because I was like, you know what? I'm not the only person experiencing all of this bad stuff that's going on. That, that's I guess good in a way I didn't just make it up but no. also you know as a person who's like I said they had their best intentions but you know yeah. you're losing people every single week mm. every three days that seemed to be mm. there's something wrong <laughs> there's mm. something wrong but hey so again finding yourself in that that space of 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 no work how we how we yeah how we how was your well-being at that stage that you can remember just in terms of yeah that emotional and mental and physical well-being um you're disappointed again because mm-hmm. oh the other part of that because i was moving around in the rooms because i was the an assistant role i got mm-hmm. to know every single family it was really great mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. um when i handed in my resignation um, they mm. said up until then, most of the staff who had left, they'd do a quick email or a quick shout out on their electronic things to say, oh, you know, such and such person is finishing up their last day will be this Friday. 
the response that I got when I said, yep, I'm resigning, I'm going to move on. Um, oh, okay, sorry, because I gave health reasons. Sorry about, you know, the declining health. Just so that you're aware, we won't be sending out any notification to any parents or anything like that to let the families know that you're going. And I was like, oh, why not? Because the response was, we're not sending it out because there's just too many staff leaving. I'd be sending out messages every day to people who were leaving. And I was like, you know, I keep saying this. I keep getting, every time something like this happens, I get braver and braver. And I was like, um, that actually, that really, really hurts my heart. Like beyond anything mm -hmm. else, that hurts my heart because I have worked, and this is the mm -hmm. tone of voice that I use, quite assertive. I have worked with every single child and every single family at this centre. And mm -hmm. there seems to be no... Uh, no acknowledgement of any of that time and relationship building and supportive mm. environment that I've provided. You, the, you're not acknowledging mm. any of that. Yeah. The response back to that was, we just don't have time to send out the sad email. Holy moly. <laughs> uh, wow. And you, you just, uh, again, good on you with that growing bravery that, you know, you stood up for yourself there and shared how you felt and why, you know, their practices. And it just made me think of, um, you know, was there no sort of over that or a very much a lack of or non-existent feedback of of you know of that, what, the job that you were doing, mm. you know, the, the connections you were creating, the work that you were doing from from management, you know, from that top down, was there any of that kind of recognition? There was a um, lot of like walkthrough of rooms and, oh, why is that in a mess? Or, you know, why is... And all the problems. Yeah, the, all the problems. Yeah. Not, oh, wow, look mm -hmm. at that amazing book that you're reading yeah. with the kids right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because yeah. that's a huge, that's another um, workplace factor that has been brought to our attention or brought to our attention from the research of, you know, investigating all these things is that... Um, workplaces that are found to have less um, mental emotional impact on their employees are ones that do have a good balance of the the um, that constructive feedback of course we need to know where we could you know work more you know um, effectively but also where you're actually effectively working you know and and commenting on those things and not just but who you are to like the character characteristics that are coming out like noticing the person's strengths and and it could just be a word like I remember when I was working in middle management um at a Queensland health job, one of the things that was shared to me to do is um, let your your counsellors know, you know, um, you know, where they're doing well throughout the day or even thank them on the way out. Thank you for your work today. Just something, you know, because we do also give feedback on where they can improve, but it's important to do those things. And it's psych one, well, as a psychologist, something that we do know, psych one-on-one, -on -one, it's almost like we need humans need like almost like a five to one ratio that's just a random yep. number by the way but five positives to one negative yeah. it's um and some of us need a bit more you know um or a bit less it just depends but what that ratio highlights is we need more of the verbal it, it, not necessarily monetary monetary helps <laughs> but you know we need that um reward of hey where are you going well um more so than we need the the negative uh so yeah where we can improve and you're going to motivate the employer to want to do better anyway through that way anyway you weren't getting that from this workplace no. <laughs> um at all no. um so yeah big factor in in leaving um definitely yeah so yeah so where to from there 
see, I moved into a role that was maybe half an hour's drive away from where I live. Um, and also I didn't take my son to this one as well. I had found, we'd moved house, we'd bought our forever for now house, a townhouse. Um, and so I, we wanted, my husband and I wanted to send him to a place where it was close to home so that if either one of us had to pick him up or whatever, just logistics wise, it was going to be good. Mm-hmm. Turns out his center is amazing. Excellent. I never want him to grow up and leave because it's just so amazing. So I started this role, finished up in maybe September. I started this role middle of January. So quite a bit of time off again. When I went to this role, I said, look, I'm work. I want to work. I'm back ready to be an ECT. Um, but it's basically kind of going to be a bit more on my terms. I want to work maximum of three days a week. They were pretty much like, yep, let's do it. Because that's an indication of where the sector in whole, national-wise, was. Um, okay. There were all there. Like now, I could go out and get a job tomorrow to start next week if I wanted to. They will throw everything at you. You can negotiate okay. your pay almost. Um, ECT yeah. roles, they are so desperate with AC, for ECTs. So it worked in your favour then. Yeah. It worked in the favour of being able to get the job on your terms. Yes. But, yeah, great, I imagine there was some, yeah, yeah, great for, you know, in ECTs in general. But just telling you now, it's a pretty stressful job if you want to take it up. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking that once you're on there, on the job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it it. it gives you an indicator and you know teaching in schools and in universities mm-hmm. and nursing and midwives and name it right like it's all very much similar in terms of the desperation of how much they need staff at the moment um but yeah hopefully that changes um but yeah yeah and um it probably was available in the other roles but i didn't know it but um in this particular teacher services award there's a section in there that where you're provided with time away from your group of children as programming time. And that's meant to be for, you know, setting up your curriculum, running your curriculum, mm. doing, you know, group reflections and doing all of that important teacher mm. stuff that teachers by default don't have time to do. So they do it at eight o'clock at night time on a Wednesday night mm. because they need it for the next morning, unpaid that kind of time. stuff. Yep. And paid time. Mm. Um, so yeah, that, that time was provided quite early on, but then for whatever reason, low low staff numbers at the centre, but then also people calling in sick on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. The first thing to go will be the programming time. I was like, you know what? I feel like I'm really quite behind on all of this programming mm-hmm. stuff that I've had to do. And this, over the time, it just festered on me, fested, fested, fested in my mm-hmm. mind about, oh, I'm just so behind. How am I going to catch this up? I can't do it while I can't do it in the mornings because everyone's all the kids are coming in and that's your you know mm. main they're, they're really concentrated that's their main learning time and my main observation mm. time um, and you can't do it in the afternoons because the parents are coming in you've got to have time to talk with them mm. plus I'm here to you know in, on the floor time is engaging with the children mm. so I don't really know where I'm going to do this yeah. um, that God, that must have been was that increasing your stress level oh yeah yeah like, yeah yeah. 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 Because yeah. I just constantly had in the back of my mind all the time, when am I going to do this? When am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. It's not a job. Some of these jobs, you can't just get a secret pocket of five minutes and get mm-hmm. it done. It's like I need un, uh, uninterrupted mm-hmm. hour or hour and a half or something block of time to just get stuff done. Where, and this is um, leading into another psychosocial hazard, where mm-hmm. everyone's heard of 
absenteeism where you you know calling in sick and I've alluded to that before when you know you're unreliable because you have so many sick days because your kid's sick and you're sick whatever mm. presenteeism could actually it's actually it's a money drainer number one productivity mm. drainer but also um so on this particular day I didn't know it at the time mm. it was similar thing where I found myself in a meeting later on like two o'clock or something in the afternoon mm. and then with two directors my one who mm. was obviously directing in front charge of me, but then a second one there mm. just for, I guess, support to make sure that my director was saying, you know, ethical things to me and mm. I wasn't going mm. to overreact. But basically I had made two mistakes on this particular day in September and two different of my colleagues, mm. I guess equal colleagues, you want to call it, you know, not directors or anything, mm. had reported mm. to my director about what I had done. And, you know, don't hold any grudges to them. If it was the other way around, I probably would have, I definitely would have done the same thing and reported it. But to me, finding out, they basically sat me down on this side of the table and the two directors were on the other side of the table and they said, April, this morning we had such and such come and say that this is what they observed you doing. I was like, oh. And at that time I went, yeah, actually, yep. Yeah, I do admit that that is what happened and I don't feel good about it. But yes, that yeah. is what happened. And then they said yeah. this other person observed such and such at this time and they came and they reported it to us. And I went, oh, yes. And I just felt devastated. There were things that were, you know, super easy things. And when if I had observed someone do it, wow, you know, it was strange. Yeah. But then same thing reflecting mm. you know take a step back mm. think about what what was happening at that time to make me do those mm. two mistakes presenteeism mm. i was so mm. caught up in my mind and stressing out and getting angry when am i going to do these tasks that i need to do that mm. i've been backdated to you know march now and it's september that mm. my physical i was just physically in the space but mentally and emotionally just mm. not there yeah. Oh my god. Presenteeism is so real. Like yes. and that's yeah, we we do hear about that absenteeism when um chronic stress, you know, increase in days off for the, you know, to try and manage <laughs> to manage our stress levels. Um that but there's we're on the job, but because of that chronic stress load that we're um that for you is that and for a lot of people I speak to, it's that admin load. Yeah. Huge thing. And that will cause us not I mean, God, that's a human factor. Like, you know, no human, if they're caught up in their mind about stressing about something that's, you know, that they've got to do and haven't done, can be actually present, mindful, there, observing. Um, that's just how our brain, how our mind and body is wired. So you were going through that. Um and that was causing mistakes that had been picked up. And then, of course, because you're not that person, you know, like, you know, you you value what you do. So to to notice that mistakes were happening was devastating. Yeah. 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 And, yeah, I am also, same thing as I mentioned at some other point, I am definitely not someone who goes to work to sabotage things. I did not do it on purpose. Um, oh, and human. that's for me, you know, just with my personality traits, it just devastated me. Mm. I went home and I mm. told my husband about it. I was like, I just feel sick that I had allowed this to happen. Good news is it wasn't like no ch uh, no children were at risk. We didn't leave them on a bus or anything like that. Like it wasn't severe, you know, but no. just the the care that you would show to a, a child, mm. that aspect just was missing for those mm. two moments. That was what devastated me the most. 
So I was yeah, living so that, in yeah. I was living in fear basically most of the time after that. The the nature of my mistakes was that I needed to go on a um, employee like a management plan, um, and you know obviously that doesn't sound great either. Um, but you know I, I understood it at the time and I didn't fight it. I was like, all right, I was still you know trying to be the best, most behaved, and you know making sure I was doing the right thing. With the four week like tying up, you know you're either going to pass or fail. I knew I was going to pass, but still you, you're living on, walking mm. on eggshells. Yeah. That fell yeah. on a day where it was a public holiday on Monday. So I went to work on the Tuesday or whatever my next day, well, I was working three days a week. Um, and, you know, I checked in with the director. I said, look, are we going to have this meeting today? Yes, yes. Didn't actually happen on that day, the next day. So it happened on the next day. In fact, no, it didn't even happen. The four, the, the four week checkup, did not happen. Well, a whole lot of other things that made me decide to leave this role, but that being one of them, um, just lack of lack of supervision and lack of um, you know following policies and procedures. Um, mm -hmm. It just didn't. It just didn't feel comfortable. Yeah. What actually, yeah. what made me end up um, moving as well was. Um, you know, this time I'm getting pretty tired of this whole, you know, circus of work. <laughs> I've now into my third job. I was like, all right, if I'm, I'm driving to work every day, I'm feeling so anxious. I've got to get up at six o'clock. Um, I've got to drop my kid off at kindy and then I've got to go to this workplace and I've got to be there by eight o'clock. At this point, sorry to all the listeners, but not sorry as well. I would have been to the toilets um, six times. This is really taking a toll on my physical body now, six times. This is bigger than just my mind. This is bigger than just, you know, oh, I'm going to work and I'm working on shells. This is like affecting my whole entire physiology now. Yeah. So that was a warning sign for you that this maybe, yep. yeah, what's this circus, as you called it, of, of this role and these different um, places that you've worked at is, is yeah, the impact is no longer worth it. Yeah. Mm. Or starting to, yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's the same thing as that frog analogy before I mm -hmm. thought, all right, actually how long has this been going on for these IBS type mm -hmm. symptoms? Mm -hmm. Because it's one of those things where, you know, it might happen once. Oh, okay. Yep. And then yeah. it's like, it's going on in the background because you've just got so many other, I'm a mum, I'm a wife, I'm a doing this. Yeah. I'm, and then, yeah, you sit down and you think, actually, this is actually probably going on for like more than 12 months now. Yeah. At that point, I was like, you know what? I need to keep working. And I do like, generally, I like being in the environments. But you know what? I'm just so stubborn. I've done all this study. I still I need to work mm -hmm. to earn money. I'm just, you know, persistent, consistent, insistent. Surely there's got to be a place out there for me. It's in the same yeah. Yeah. same company, just different location. There was an opportunity that came up um, that was basically an atelierista. So atelier is a um, is a, an artist or an art space. Atelierista mm -hmm. is the person. So I was like, oh, this yeah. is going to tap into my creativity. I've really struggled yeah. up until now. Like everyone's been big brothers watching, and this is the way you've got to do mm -hmm. things, and you've got this curriculum. This is my you know flourishing. I can be creative freedom freedom 
Because that was a big key, mm. yeah, in your um, one of your previous roles, you know, have, being free to, yeah, explore and create and do, yeah, do things that not yeah. totally bogged down by procedures and policies, you know, freedom, yeah. Thursday, here's your beautiful art space. You can work in here or you can take resources to the rooms, you know, it's pretty much free-flowing, free that kind of thing. I got in there and um, I just wanted to make sure that everything was tidy. Like I didn't know what resources we had, so I pulled everything out of the cupboards and the drawers. All right, this is what we have. Okay, I'd like to order some of these things, uh, some other resources. I'll give the floor a mop, just make sure it's all really nice and tidy. About halfway, you know, just keeping keeping the resources and keeping the space, but just, you know, making it my own because this is now my own studio and my own job crafting and whatever. But halfway yeah. through that day, um, I got called, someone went home sick or whatever. They just needed someone to be in one of the other rooms for the numbers and looking after the kids. And I was like, all right. So I left the artillery arrestor in a little bit of a mess as you are when you're, you know, halfway through cleaning something. Um, and then I thought, well, this is a really good opportunity to go and meet my new colleagues and meet the kids mm. and um, you know see what they're learning about so that I can make some art that's going to tie into what they're learning about mm. um, so yeah that was generally okay uh, but they weren't happy when they walked in the, the leadership and management weren't happy when they walked in and saw that the artillerist was a, basically a mess but when mm. I came back the next day pretty much being put back together as to how it was beforehand before mm. I had started cleaning and I was like all right well I'll just I'll move things you know every time I get a five minutes I'll just move things whatever mm. so then second day oh April no time today we've got this this many people that have called in sick so I need we need you to be a lunch float like an assistant similar to the two rolls yeah. back okay yep, no worries mm. third day oh we've had different staff call in today um we there's no artillery time today um you're gonna have to go and do mm. lunch lunch covers mm. I have not been provided any programming time to like not even half an hour at this point to make up an art program mm. every single day has been we need you for numbers in this room we need you for numbers for lunch covers we are so desperate for staff today that art is the last thing that the kids mm. are going to be doing you're going to be like basically going around and you're like, like a relief teacher i yeah, know like oh i just got a sense yeah but not even in the one class like a relief of many um day-to-day -day, uh, different aspects and this is not what you signed up for you no. came how was that yeah what kind of impact was that having oh huge impact like i'm already burnt yeah. out i realized now i didn't know it at the time but i was burnt out like months yeah. before um yeah. the frog the frog yeah. yep the frog mm. spoiling here i am just stupidly mm. sitting in this stupid lot of water this day was particularly bad my job of oh you're going to this classroom or oh you're going to this studio or you're going to be lunch covers oh no actually we want you to it changed eight times between eight and nine o'clock my mind was i can't handle this <laughs> i cannot handle this not related but maybe who knows i walked out into where all of the kids were and a kid was on a bike there were two kids on a bike and the bike rode in front of me but I was also moving forward. So I ended up tripping over this bike and I just put my head down and went, oh my God, this was in front of kids. It was an accident, but this is in front of kids. It's also in front of at least eight parents who were dropping their kids off. It's in front of all of my colleagues and it's at the front of this, you know, just basically in a huge, big community place. I am so embarrassed. Okay. Yeah. I picked yeah. myself up. 
Um, and I took myself into the staff room. I just needed to get away. And I just sat on the mm -hmm. thing. And lots of my colleagues came in because they wanted to make sure hey, I was okay physically. Mm -hmm. And I just cried. I was like, mm -hmm. I, I, I cannot be here today. My job, I am just, I'm, o I'm over it. Mm -hmm. I have got... I've, my job, what I'm doing today has changed eight times. I've now gone mm. splat in front of all the kids and the parents mm. and, you know, I might have bruised knees or whatever. I, I, I'm i not in a psychological yeah. space to be able to be here to do my job today. I'm going home. Yeah. It was almost like the straw that broke the animals or whatever. Like straw Broke the camel's anyway. back. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Whatever that saying is. Thank you. Yeah, you said it. Um yeah, like because you're already in an emotional state because of all those. Yeah, like that. Like I think of they call it the role role conflicts, not the right word. Um, there wasn't the role you were employed with, like because they say that can have a, a, a really important effect on one's well being is having a very clear understanding of what your role is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yours not only changed on a daily basis, but in that day changed eight times. So all that emotional mental load you're carrying from that environmental stressor from the workplace, it just that, and then that accident, it was just the catalyst to go just to break that emotional, yeah. And it just came out pouring. Um, what happened from there? Yeah. To be, so that was sometime in December. And to be honest, I did have a lot of other stuff going on outside of, um, uh, outside of work that was yeah. December was pretty bad. I don't know. There was just a lot of stuff going on. Um, fast forward, I could talk about 15 different other things at that workplace, but fast yeah. forward to my actual breakdown day. Um, I was at my parents' place for Christmas. It was over the Christmas New Year period. And I wasn't necessarily doom scrolling as such, if that's a new term for everybody. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like you go onto social media. Facebook's famous for that. But I guess, you know, TikTok, Inst Instagram. Yep. I was Anything. doom scrolling, I guess, on LinkedIn. And I actually find LinkedIn worse for that mm. than any other social media because everyone's out there in a work sense going my company is so great um we're doing all of these really great things i'm being so successful there's no negativity <laughs> hardly any negativity about these are the you know call uh, um you know the front or front line stuff bad stuff that's happening um anyway i scrolled past the company that i was working with at that point and there were photos there of all the high-end executive team at their staff christmas party or something um all dressed up in frocks and then another one where they were out playing um like doing golf or something mm. and my elastic band like if you have an elastic band in your hand and you're stretching it and you know retract back retract back my elastic band just snapped i went oh my god i'm done there was also the words there, something about we spend a lot of money on professional development for all of our staff. Look at all of this fun stuff that they're doing. Um, and I was like, well, I did one online course, one online webinar, like the first two weeks that I started at the company, but like one or two, like the other site, not this one. What money have they spent on me? And so on that day, no I didn't even know, like I'm still trying to, it's eight months down the track, I'm still trying to work mm -hmm. out. But words that come to mind were, it was just this massive epiphany for me, mm -hmm. a huge, like what does a breakdown look like? If you walk past someone in the street and they're having a breakdown, what does that look like? I don't know, but that was my breakdown. <laughs> yeah. The elastic band snapped. There was almost like a moment of wiseness for me. I was like, you know what? I am done. But this time, 
I'm not going back. This mm-hmm. is it. I am an idiot for just pursuing, pursuing, pursuing and hoping. It's like there's a hope there that eventually, you know, I will find a spot and it's changed. But I've now tried four times in this industry. Mm-hmm. I have done a call center job because of desperation. I did so many, like seven schools in a year and a half way back at the beginning of my career. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm now, you know, I got out and did my first big girl job when I was 21. Mm-hmm. I'm now 37. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This time it's different. And I need to yeah, cut all the ties good. to proceed at my own pace. And there was obviously still a lot of cynicism, negativity, disconnection, and the otherness that I spoke about. It just all yeah. compi- com- compounded in this one moment of, wow, fireworks yeah. are done. <laughs> The frog jumped out of the yeah. out of the pan, and not just with this job, but with working for systems, yes. working for other people, working for companies. Yeah, like, and you've worked in private, public sector, loads of, um, you know, definitely a lot in the education industry, but in different segments of it. Uh, but also in the other ones that you've worked at too, you were just like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. So what? Um, I mean, geez, a horrible point to get to. At the same time, it sounds like it was a real shift, like that this is not how I'm going to do it anymore. Can you tell us a a little bit more about that? Like, because you said eight months down from there now too, and I imagine a lot has transpired in that time in terms of, you know, how you've been looking after your health and well-being and sort of where things are at now. I was just wondering if you could share a bit about that. Yeah. So I would say um, just a lot of factors as well. I'm still technically in burnout, definitely. I have no, like, you can kind of tell over some of the things that I've been talking about. Um, Generally, I can turn things around and look at it as a positive way. And, you know, what have I learned about this and how am I going to move forward? Mm. But there are certain aspects of me right now where do not try to convince me otherwise maybe next year who knows and maybe in the future because i am you know on this self-development kind of role Mm. at the moment role with Mm. you know doing all sorts of things but yeah yeah but right now do not try to convince me to go back to work as an employee forget it (laughs) i am done i have tried so many times and i've done so much soul searching with values and missions and you know what's Mm. your moral compass and let's find an environment that suits that yep i've tried too many times i moving forward definitely um psychosocial hazard or a a strategy is job crafting i'm going to craft my own way and shannon i know you've done this as well and actually you're a a true inspiration to me about how you Mm -hmm. have done that actually because i know you're working on your terms and you're very Mm -hmm. um you know and i'm on the journey as well i can now uh you know read my body and read my mind and read my emotions Mm -hmm. so much better than what I used to be able to and I know if things are getting you know to the point where I'm like you know what I feel really busy I don't think I'm doing things to the level and the quality that I want to I'm really able to identify that early now and take a step back and say what do I need to stop or cut out or cut down so that I'm still giving the you know it's not 100% 100% of whatever but to yeah. give the, the energy you have yeah, that, day. that quality mm-hmm. of what I know that will be um, you know getting the job done to a substantial effort or level like yeah what is it that I need to stop and stop doing to be able to enable this to be quality oh that's beautiful that's such a fundamental shift that is needed in in all of us and we're all at a different level of where we're at with that is 
having enough awareness of our own um, status day in, day out. Um, and then like some of us will have that awareness, but not necessarily make that change to um, where we can about what we take on that day, you know, that flexibility, um, even if it's not that day, but, you know, making some changes or plans in the near future so we can, yeah, continue to operate. Yeah, so well done you for getting to that space mm-hmm. yeah and the job crafting and and this, as I, I put my hand in my heart when you said I've been inspiration because that's what I mean I know my way is not everyone's way but I just hope it opens people up to other ways you know it doesn't have to be you know the way I thought and I was taught was like you work nine to five yep. and, you know and what that looks like in psychology is a specific um and I had that in my head and I was living that way and that you know, well, that broke me. Uh, yeah, and and um, that's part of um, like the visionary and stigma stigma part that I was alluding to before. Um, you know, people do have that mindset, and maybe it's a generational thing, and maybe there's pressure from their you know their parents or their grandparents or whatever about oh jobs you got to get in your car and you got to drive there and it's nine till five and then you come home and then you only have the weekends. No, that's not how everyone does it, and you don't have to do that. So it's the whole, let's break down the stigma. Let's talk about the pink elephant in the room. Let's not beat around the bush. These are all the things that have kind of come out since I've worked one day in January this year, handed in my resignation. And then I also went to the GP and got a um, a note so that I didn't have to see out the two weeks because I was like, I cannot. I've now had my breakdown the other day. I cannot come to this environment and pretend anymore. I'm done. Mm. I could, mm. I, you know, and I did it, whatever, for a lot, a lot of years. Oh, but yes. now I am, <laughs> I am doing things my own way. I cannot come here and pretend and, um, mm. yeah, I just can't. Yeah. I think in a lot, well done you, and I, I'm, I'm in awe. And I think, I think we were talking about this earlier too, like you're a, I think it, the people who, and people have been doing it for some time, but I think more and more people are working in different ways away from this stereotype of what that looks like um, and creating their own crafting, as you use, um, crafting their own way to work. And that might mean retraining in a different field. It might be doing things different in their current field, um, whatever that, or being an entrepreneur and creating, so, who, who bloody knows. But so since I've started job crafting, I, not necessarily people in my own industry, although there's a subsection definitely doing things differently um, that are, are conducive to their well-being because um, that's the key here, like doing things that actually work for your well-being. Um, but that other industries, you know, I certainly got to talk to a lot of people who've shifted, being, being change makers. Mm-hmm. Like I see us as, I think, uh, you know, the more and more we have people doing this and talking about it, as you said. Yeah. Um, it will give permission to other people to, in our generations or the generations below us, to cultivate a new way that is aligned with well-being. Because we've only got one body in mind for the rest of our life, and That's right. she's going to age. Yeah, like she doesn't. You know, age is is a normal factor, but how we live is going to affect that. I think a big thing, maybe not on that breakdown day, but another thing that's you know I've done so much learning and whatever this year, I was like, all right my child is three and a half at the moment and I'm 30, almost 37. And if I keep working in this way that, you know, yeah, it's the whole, oh, stereotypical, it's not going to work. Like I, he might be six and I won't be able to play soccer with him. I do not want to be that mum. I need to make changes now to look after me first. It's not selfish, it's self-care and it's actually going to, you know, look after me so that I can be there for others secondly um and you know i want to be able to give my son 
absolutely every opportunity presented to him. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't take it up, then that's fine. But at least he knew about it. And at least he, you know, had the opportunities there. And I, yeah, yeah, I'm there to facilitate that. <laughs> yeah. I am I can imagine, um, April, that we could, I feel like we could have a, a whole um, series. Yeah, of, we could um, actually. <laughs> yeah, with, with, with everything that you've learned and gained, and I feel even just on that last eight months there too. I'm actually two papers away from finishing a um, university degree, again, graduate certificate in teacher and educator mental health. After that, I... I'm not entirely sure, but same thing. It's ruminating in my mind. It's seedlings. It's it's been planted and it's growing slowly. But I'm moving. I'm going to be moving into the space of being a consultant in this area. So I'm all about awareness and education, and you know, putting this information out there. Maybe all of those psychosocial hazards that I was talking about before. Maybe that actually just happens on a daily de- on a daily basis in workplaces, but because people don't know or don't realize, they just think that that's normal. And I don't want that to be normal. I want to get out there and, you know, let people know and hopefully put strategies in place for help people to make their own strategies, to put them into place before it gets mm-hmm. to such a crisis where, you know, I'm eight months in now, I haven't worked and I don't want to work for anybody else. Of course, uh, listeners out there, if you do want to get in contact, send the questions through to Shannon because I am working with her over the next few weeks and months. And actually, I don't think I can't see it ending. So that's good. Um, And then (laughs) when my business, when my side of things starts up, I'll definitely be letting Shannon know and, you know, spreading the word and the world's going to be great for everybody. So basically watch this space, remember the name. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I just want to say a big, big, huge thank you, um, April, uh, to, you know, to the, that willingness to come on and, and share that huge history um, that has so much wealth of, uh, I suppose, building that understanding around those risk factors of burnout, really. Like just me, as I was hearing your story, I could see that. And, and I know you've seen it um you know, in retrospect, but also along the way too, as you gain knowledge and understanding about your health and well-being in the workplace, um, and I know that's going to be such a difference to to people already. I mean, you're already doing your consultancy work, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Story. So, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm really, like I said, and you can probably hear it in the tone of my voice. I'm really, really passionate and really, really excited about this, and that is one of the indications that I know that you know what, at this point in my life, I've had so many different things. I've been playing snakes and ladders up and down, you know, trying to break the glass ceiling that's actually perspex and it's, you know, 16 inches thick and it's not going to crack, whatever. Um, This is how I know that for this part of my life, this is what I'm meant to be doing um, and, you know, helping people to realize about their own selves. So it feels good and it feels right. Thank you so much, April. So I'm so glad to hear that. I think when you've, that passion's alive again, you know, you're going in the right direction there. (laughs) I I think, you know, a direction that, warrants continual exploration yeah. and continual development so yes. yeah and i'm glad to hear that you've got that passion there too because yeah thanks Jenna. That, <laughs> yeah lovely well um yeah thank you very much all right thank you <laughs> thank you for listening to when burnout becomes reality podcast this pod relies on the power of its listeners to push it out to the four corners of the earth in hope that it reaches as many people in need as possible. So please like, share, follow, comment, or leave a review. Pay it forward, and I will be forever grateful.
If you'd like to share your burnout to recover experience or you are an expert working in the burnout field and would like to share your wisdom on the pod, please email me at shannonswales at burnoutpsychologysupport.com. To keep up to date with episode releases, please follow us on your favourite podcast provider or by joining our mailing list for at www.burnoutpsychologysupport.com. To check out the Burnout Psychology Services on offer at Burnout Psychology Support, my telehealth practice, visit www.burnoutpsychologysupport.com forward slash psychology services. Once again, thank you for listening and please take care of yourself. Bye for now. Thank you.